Hello and welcome back to the movie recap with the movie deputy. Today we're going to be talking about three movies that opened up on October 22nd, so this past Friday. The three movies that we saw were Dune, Ron's Gone Wrong, and Becoming Cousteau. We take notes during the movie to help us not only with the review, but also to help you search for a movie if you're trying to remember something about a particular movie and you can remember one piece of it, but the rest of it is just kind of foggy. If you've ever been to moviedeputy.com or even if you haven't yet, go check out one of our reviews or even one of the ones that say our review is coming soon. And if you scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll actually see the entirety of our notes that have been taken during the movie. Now we do so in such a way that it doesn't bother any of the fellow moviegoers when we do go to the theater and then of course if we review them in our office, that just makes that even easier. With Dune, a lot of people don't realize that this was just part one and that there will be a part two. As of now, I do not have an estimated date for part two. This one covers the first half of the book for the most part with a few minor changes. The original in 1984 really kind of flopped in the box office. This first part of this remake of that has been doing so much better. I do believe that opening weekend did better than the entire 1984 movie did in its entirety. In Dune Part 1, the story feels very much like Star Wars meets Lord of the Rings. Like I said, it is just the first half of the story and the first half of the book. And it almost feels as if there's maybe a little bit more drama that was added into it. Maybe to try to add to the story. It almost felt like maybe they were trying a little bit too hard. Not just by adding that extra layer of drama to the story. But it was also trying a little bit too hard to fit into modern society and be technically politically correct. Not as a whole, but... There's definite instances throughout the story that just, as you're watching it, you kind of wonder if that really needed to be there. But as with many stories that attempt to alter themselves in such a way, it loses some of the magnetism. It's always been kind of a political story, maybe gone a little bit further than the last time, but then again, it's been a really long time since I've seen the original. I maybe should have watched it again before watching this one just to refresh my brain, and I probably will do that soon. And when I do, I will talk about that but I don't want to get too off track here. In this story, the House of Atreides is directed to leave Caladan to go to Arrakis by the Emperor. They are supposed to be in charge of the spice, but when they arrive, there's some definite clear issues, almost as if there's some sabotage that's happened. And how that all plays out almost is a little bit confusing at times if you're not paying attention to all of the conversations that are happening. Paul knows that there is something that is drawing him to Arrakis. He has been having dreams and visions and doesn't really understand why. So when the family is ordered to go there to take care of the spice, it's going to be part of his purpose. And with everything happening around him that he's been drawn here for this deeper purpose, but to help protect the people of Arrakis and the Fremen. Now, he may not understand how yet, as the movie kind of wraps up, it's kind of left on a little bit of a cliffhanger, creating that buzz for the second part that is coming up. He knows there's something else to this. Everything that he's experiencing and that the people around him are experiencing, it pushes him almost to the brink of insanity because he did not understand or realize the war that's going on here, how that all fits together, and how he must find the way to find where he fits in this whole thing and how that would apply to him and how that's going to apply to his future. The whole story is not just about Paul, but Paul is definitely a key to the story. We know he is destined to protect the most valuable item on Arrakis, 
to some that may be the spice, but maybe there's something a little bit more to it. I guess we're going to have to wait around to really see how that all plays out. But overall, I definitely enjoyed it. I remember just kind of being somewhat bored with the first one and just going purely off memory, I would probably give the first one an upper fours, low fives on Movie Deputy. But on this, on part one of The New Dune, I actually gave it a seven. I was a little bit more generous than I maybe would have been with the story, but only because the story started to go in so many different directions. I'm really hoping that they answer all of the questions that they started to ask in part one when part two is released. In Ron's Gone Wrong, going into it, I was expecting a kid's movie just really aimed at a much younger audience. In expecting that, my expectations that I had set for Ron's Gone Wrong were actually pretty low. I really wanted it to be good and I wanted it to be cute and I kind of wanted it to wow me a little bit because there's not a whole lot of animated movies that can really wow somebody who looks at movies from a critical perspective. I wasn't expecting it to be fabulous, but I didn't want it to flop by any means. But it really kind of surprised me. The whole movie ended up being aimed at a much older audience than what I was anticipating. It's aimed at more of the middle school age, young adult. Even someone that is my age thoroughly enjoyed it. And Ron's gone wrong. He is from a traditional Hungarian family. He lives with his grandmother and his dad. His mother passed away when he was young, so it's just them. His dad owns his own company. The grandma is very old school traditional in a lot of traditions and ways and things that were important to their heritage. And it, I love how it really showcases that in the movie. All of the kids in Barney's Middle School have B-Bots, and they're these little robots that their whole idea of these bots is the best friend out of a box. They're supposed to know everything about you. They help you with questions, and they play, and you can play games with them. Take a smartphone and make it do everything that the ultimate gaming computer could ever even think about doing, and that's a B-Bot. The programmers tried to design the perfect algorithm for friendship. And what they've kind of failed to realize, and this kind of plays out somewhat with the movie too, is that friendship is not a simple algorithm. It's not, it can't be broken down into letters and numbers. It can't be broken down into zeros and ones into binary code. There is something much more than that. And this kind of helps explore that into the whole, what the future of friendship is. As the story is being told, there are a couple just interesting things, and I'm not actually going to look some of these up to see if they're true, but one of the ones that literally had me laughing out loud is learning that underwear combustion is around 232 degrees. Probably could have gone my whole life without knowing that, and whether or not that's the actual temperature that underwear combusts at, I'm not really going to look that up. So if you want to look that up and share it with me, I'm perfectly fine, but it's just kind of one of those, why would I want to know at what temperature underwear combusts, but it's... It's relevant to the story, and I hope that made you laugh because I know I laughed when that happened. Another description that I feel really fits this is that in Ron's Gone Wrong, there's also another part in the movie where the B-Bots realize something about their code, and an entire series of events play out that one of the most popular girls in school ends up getting kind of eaten by the B-Bots. The B-Bots 
creature. Imagine, imagine Bebot meets Transformers type of creature that followed her and this creature that swallowed her and it kind of became this entire joke through the movie that ended up being a lot more than a joke. It sounds funny because the line in it is, it pooped me. That sounds incredibly hilarious. At first it is, but through the storytelling, it also helps to realize that bullying is a real issue. With younger kids, it's a real issue. With older kids, it's an issue even with adults. And no matter what age you are, bullying is never okay. There is never a reason to bully someone. I don't expect the world to be, can't we all get along? We need to do better. We truly do. As the whole story wraps up in Ron's Gone Wrong, what happens with the meaning of friendship and what happens with the Bebots and Barney's family and his friends. Even though he didn't fit in anywhere, he found something not only in his Bebot, the story truly helps define what friendship really is and kind of everything that goes along with that. Maybe a bit intense for maybe the youngest of audiences without somebody to explain if there were questions. I would definitely recommend this for everyone from 8 to 80 and above. We did go ahead and give Ron's Gone Wrong a 5.75 on the deputy scale. Not because there was anything particularly flawed with its presentation. Though the story had such a powerful message, it was easy to get lost and not get the full message if you weren't paying attention. Especially for those of a younger audience that don't necessarily pay attention to the details, it'd be kind of easy to maybe be distracted. Life is about making memories. This story is a great example of that. The third movie that we saw this week was Becoming Cousteau. For the younger generation that might not know who Jacques Cousteau was, he had a show called The Undersea World of Jacques Cousteau that introduced a lot of the older generation to the world under the water. During the generation that was obsessed with getting to space and exploring the stars, nobody was really exploring under the water. That's something he was always drawn to though. From a young age would talk about the fact that he had seawater in his veins instead of blood. I think that truly described who he really was. In his adventure to try to explore what had never been explored before, he became not just an explorer, but a scientist, an inventor. His designs have completely revolutionized scuba diving for both personal and military use. In his early days of the Calypso, which was his vessel, his endeavors with the oil companies actually led to the United Arab Emirates being as well-to-do as it is today. It all went back to Jacques Cousteau and his ability to help these companies get down to the oil that was in the seafloor. Now doing this, he had no idea of the ramifications that would come from this. He literally, over time, would realize that the silent world underwater was screaming for help. He decided to take his knowledge of what he had learned under the water and his notebook became his camera. He was not a big fan of documentaries because he just didn't like how they were presented almost in a condescending way to people. And so he, that's one thing he really tried to make sure that he never did was to kind of have that attitude. He truly became an oceanaut. We are familiar with astronauts, but oceanauts, that is a term, I don't know if he coined that himself, but if he had of, it would not have surprised me. He decided to try to take his knowledge and try to apply it to preserve the beautiful things that he was seeing, at least from his perspective. And though his experiences 
have led to the Cousteau Society, the Earth Summit, to him being probably the first Captain Planet. He just had an impact that wouldn't truly be understood for many years. He loved his family, but I think he loved the sea just a little bit more. Now, I don't mean to take away from any of his family members the relationships that they had with that. It's just no matter what he did with his family, everything always came back to the water. His children at boarding school, when they would be on their breaks, they would come to the Calypso. His first wife was the stewardess on the Calypso, and behind the scenes, she kind of kept everything together. Even as her health declined in the years prior to her death, she never let on to anyone because she didn't want to disappoint him, and she didn't want to disappoint the Calypso or its crew. So she suffered in silence until her death. Even with his second marriage, everything always came back to the water. With the kids and just how his whole life played out, everything always came back to the sea so beautiful, so serene, so dangerous. To try to describe the passion that he had for what he did, I can't even find words. He changed the world. In doing so, it did get a little bit political towards the end, and he really tried to use his knowledge to try to influence politics, not for a particular country, but for the entire planet. In doing that, it definitely had its supporters as well as its opponents. In the insistence of these ideas pushed to the level that they were, it maybe went a little bit too far. Again, that's up for individual interpretation. It's easy to understand how he was so captivated. We gave Becoming Cousteau a 6.25 on the deputy scale. There was a lot to take into account, but we think we balanced it well. I hope this information can help you decide if one or all of these movies would be ones that you would want to see. We try to be really thorough with as many details as possible. And I hope you have thoroughly enjoyed. Please like and subscribe for the most up-to-date movie deputy content. We will talk to you soon.